G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. We had no concept of a website with a million short-term rental listings. That, if, you, if I were to get, get, get on the time machine and, and, and somebody would have told me that, I, that would have been kind of mind-blowing. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. So 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rob Stevens, co-founder of Avalara My Lodge Tax, the leading provider of tax compliance solutions for the vacation rental industry. My Lodge Tax was founded by vacation rental owners, including Rob himself, so they know how much time and energy goes into maintaining a vacation rental and the added stress of lodging tax compliance can be extremely overwhelming. And that's where Rob and his team step in. They are the experts and they serve homeowners, property managers, hotel operators, and other businesses helping them stay compliant with the regulations and the tax law so they can enjoy what they love doing, and that is spending time owning vacation rentals. Um, I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show, but enough out of me. Let's get out here. G'day, Rob. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Mate, my pleasure. Um, to In the green room, we're talking a little bit about your background, um, but before we dive into the nuts and bolts of what you do, because I think today's show is going to be extremely interesting from just a high-level taxation and vacation rental industry, you know, that, that sort of disruption in the space. Um, tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Rewind the clock. Give us, take us back down memory lane. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm 51 years old, so we're going back a while. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think for, for better or worse, as a, as a kid, I, I did have some money, money motivations. Uh, I had a brother that was much older. Um, you know, he had paper routes. Uh, I don't know if they have those in Australia or where you're from, but back in the day, you know, it was really kid neighborhood kids that would deliver the papers. Um, and so my brother had a paper route. And I would help him every morning and, and, you know, he would pay me a few dollars, probably a month to help him do that. And then as I got a little bit older, you know, probably 12 or 13, I had my own paper route. Um, and there, you know, this was, this was kind of the late seventies, early eighties, probably making 30 to $50 a month, delivering papers every morning, probably took an hour. And boy, as a 12, 13 year old kid, I thought that was, you know, I thought I was in fat city. I thought that was great. <laughs> and it sounds like your brother was doing a bit of a sweat labor there. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I still got issues with that. I absolutely think that's what my brother was doing. <laughs> for another conversation, right? <laughs> Mate, link, link us to, from, from those days of the paper route into your story and journey about how, you know, what's your background? What did you go to university uh, for and, and maybe a, a formal career before getting into um, Avalara? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a homegrown kid here in Colorado. Uh, went to Colorado State University. Uh, you know, living in Colorado, I'm a lifelong skier. Uh, very fortunate to feel like we, you know, we have the best skiing in the world here. At least that's how we feel. Um, so culturally, skiing has been a big part of my life. Uh, my wife is a big skier. It's probably how we got together, uh, which, you know, which connects into, you know, went to Colorado State, started my career with Arthur Anderson in accounting here in Denver, uh, was there for several years, left into kind of corporate accounting and finance positions and, you know, different experience, uh, you know, career experiences, ultimately kind of feeling this entrepreneurial pull. Um, so... Uh, a couple things, being big skiers here in Colorado, what, what everyone wants to do is own property in the mountains. And so right. as, a, as a relatively young professional, was able to, with my wife and, and her brother-in-law, you know, we, we threw in together and bought a, bought a condo in Vail, which is really how we got into the whole you know, real estate, short-term rental, occupancy tax. You know, this was 1999, you know, quite a while ago, but, but that was you know, on the real estate side, that's how we got into it. And then you know, kind of couple of years, you know, renting the property. And then, you know, we were all, we were both CPAs, my wife and I realizing the tax obligation and then having this kind of entrepreneurial pull in my corporate career uh, was kind of the intersection of those two things where we said, you know, this tax issue, we think short-term rentals, there's tons of opportunity that how we're doing it online is fantastic. 
And I'm happy to talk more about that if you want to hear it. But that was also kind of the inspiration that, that, to then start a business to solve this kind of common pain point for people that are short-term renting, which is you know being correctly licensed and collecting or remitting the, the, the correct occupancy taxes. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you've been involved for such a, I guess you stumbled into the, the industry, right? Like you wanted just a passion of skiing. And by the way, is Vale your number one spot if you had to recommend anything, anyone? Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Vale fan. I still own property there. Um, you know, I, I, you know my, my goal is to get more days on the mountain. And we, we had fantastic snow last season. But yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you're a skier. Read, but, but I, I I am I'm I'm an, I'm an avid skier myself. I'm more into surfing, but I I do try and get a couple of times every season. Sure. And I've skied uh, skied around the world, skied in Japan and Canada, and a lot obviously a lot here in the states. And uh, yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but mate, the um so so the big shift that you saw. So maybe you talked a little bit about the early days. You know, 1999, you had this 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 rental property. From a taxation point of view, what was the issues back then compared to maybe what are the issues we're facing today? Yeah, that's a, it's a, happy to talk about that. And I'll, I'll start with kind of the industry more broadly because my yeah. experience, I think like a lot of people, you know, we were, we were young and we were young professionals, but we couldn't afford to own a second home just on our own. We needed income to help, to help pay for it. So for us, and then this is very common, I think, in the short-term rental space, it was, it was a lifestyle decision to buy a second home, but also a financial kind of investment decision. I think you see a lot of that mix uh, in, the, in the vacation rental, short-term rental space when people first jump into it. So this was 1999. We needed income. You know, this was kind of the early days of the internet. You know, 20 years ago, you had to hire a local property manager, really, to manage your property, get, you know, get rent, attract guests, you know, manage the, the, the entire process soup to nuts. You know, in Colorado, they charge 40 to 50% of your gross rent Wow, to do that. So we were, you know, young professionals said, well, we know a lot of people, maybe there's a better way to do this. And then, you know, one of our friends told us about this little website called VRBO, uh, now known as Verbo or, or HomeAway. It's now owned by Expedia. But this was, you know, this was 20 years ago and it was very nascent. And so we said, okay, this sounds great. I think for $120 a year, we listed our Vail condo on that, you know, BRBO website, and it was frankly quite an amazing experience. It had $120 kind of listing subscription. We attracted global travelers. Wow. We were able to keep our property booked, you know, generate $30,000, $40,000 a year in rent, um, not pay these, you know, steep commissions that, that sometimes you would have to pay to, to real estate brokers and, and property managers. So I think that, I think the internet and, and companies like BRBO and, and certainly now Airbnb and others are really you know, kind of disrupted that traditional uh, short-term rental market and really empowered owners to kind of do this on their own and do it uh, on much more favorable economic terms. Now, when you do that, when you manage the property yourself, then all of a sudden you, you're kind of operating a small business. You have to have contracts, you have to collect money, you have to schedule people, talk to people, answer questions, you gotta get them checked in, you gotta schedule the cleaning service, there's any on-site issues, with the guests, how to turn on the TV or, you know, the water heater's not working. Uh, so you have all kinds of issues and, and it was through that experience. And then you're realizing that, you know, gee, we as just little short-term rental owner for that property in Vail, we need to collect and pay, you know, Colorado and Vail sales and lodging taxes. It was really through that experience and the complexity of that, we said, wow, like this, the short-term renting on the internet was, a, was very powerful, powerful for us. We thought it was a tremendous experience. Our, our view was, 
wow, this is really where the industry's headed and people are going to start doing this on their own. But there's some of these back office things, one of them being occupancy taxes. We said, you know, people are going to need help with. And that was really, you know, I said a, a few minutes ago, that was the inspiration to start a company to, to, to solve that for people. Yeah, so it's, it's such an interesting thing to, again, back to your stumbling into it. You, you wanted it to for a lifestyle um, but then it's morphed into so much more, which is such an incredible story because a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs on this show um, do have a passion and, a, and, a, and an itching within them. And they, they maybe just couple or marry the two things, a skill set that they, you know, you're a CPA, uh, so you had experience with that, but also a passion to just live on the mountain a little bit more, which was, it's quite incredible just to, sh- to see and illustrate how businesses can spawn from such a basic idea and and i guess you really were at the it sounds like vrbo was was at the cutting edge of online sales for places like vale which is really a a, a global destination right like you guys weren't in some some obscure ski town that no one ever heard of like vale is you know up there in the top 10 sure. ski resorts in the world so you had like you already had a natural pull uh, from an advertising point of view, which was really incredible. But then you have to sort of go figure out the, the, the back end stuff. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about what issues from a tax compliance, just for the for the laymans who are out there who maybe not don't actually own vacation rentals. What what are you slapped with? Where, you, know, talk, you spoke about occupancy tax and then the local and state taxes and, and how that can maybe affect the, the returns you get on a property when you're looking to buy one. Yeah, sure. So um you know, I'll just keep the, I'll, I'll use the Vail example because that's what we're talking about. I think it's probably easiest to talk about. So, you know, we were, we were renting this home in Vail, doing it ourselves. We were, you know, it was going pretty well. We're pretty excited about it. We kind of, you know, stumbled into the, the sales tax pieces, frankly. And I remember my, my wife said one day, like, well, I think we got to pay all these taxes. And I was, I was like, what are you talking about? We're just renting our property. Why, why do we have to pay sales tax? So, you know, both of us were CPAs and it even kind of caught us by surprise that this was something we had to do. So, you know, to, 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 to kind of break down some of the details. So what we had to do at the time, and it's very similar today, uh, and this is how sales and lodging taxes work. These are city, county, tax, county taxes, state taxes. So in Vail, we had to collect Colorado sales tax, Eagle County sales tax, and then Vail at the time had two taxes, and they had a sales tax plus a lodging tax. Um, so there were actually four different taxes, and they were paid to two different agencies, State of Colorado and the Panel Bail, on three different forms. And, and some were due monthly and some were due quarterly. So, you know, just getting into this, we realized, you know, that there's just some moving parts here that people are, like, like us as accountants, we weren't really familiar with, that there was moving parts. So you have to register with the, you have to register with Colorado, you have to register with the Town of Bail, then you have to, again, pay these taxes on a monthly or quarterly basis. It's not like your utility company, your cable bill. They don't send you, you know, they don't send you a notification when it's due. You can't put it on auto pay. You know, you have to, you have to take the initiative to fill out the reports and send in a check. Or, or now in a lot of places you can't file online. But it's, there's again some, some steps that most people that are, you know, real estate entrepreneurs or just kind of small operators have never dealt with before. Right, and it's such a. It would have taken a bit of a, as I said, by surprise, and maybe a bit of a whack to the to your pocket, right? And what what sort of ballpark figure are we talking about? You know, from a taxation point of view, is it uh, ten to twenty percent, or is it or is it twenty five percent higher? Yeah, great, great question. And I, and I'll, then I'll cl- I'll clarify something. So the the tax available at the time was eleven point four percent. It's nine point eight percent now because these taxes change over time. Rarely do they go down. Bail's an exception, uh, but it's very typically a ten or twelve percent tax. 
when you get into big cities or heavy resort markets, um, like I don't know if you're in, in Northern California or Southern California, but I think the, 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 the tax in LA is 14% in, right. in Los yes, Angeles. Um, so it typically is pretty high. I mean, if you're charging somebody two or $3,000 a week to rent your property or 1500 for a weekend, you know, 12, 15% is several hundred dollars on every booking. Now, you know, and, and then you have to kind of go through the mechanics of filing and paying that to the correct agencies. Now, what I always tell people, like all sales taxes, this is designed as a tax on the consumer. So really, it's just an additional charge. You know, you're supposed to charge your guests, and your guests pay it. Travelers are very accustomed to paying this kind of tax. They understand it. We, like, it's so different if you check in a hotel, you're paying $200 a night, and then you're always whacked at the end because you know, there's that 15% hotel tax, which, which is meaningful. So I tell people this doesn't really affect your economics of the property because the guest pays it. It's really just a pass-through. Uh, mm -hmm. You're supposed to collect it for these government agencies and then pay it to them. So there's an administrative burden to it and a headache. Again, that's what, you know, that's what we're all about solving. But it, it, it you know, I always, cause people often say that, well, this is going to, you know, this is a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's really an additional fee that you just pass on to your guests. They pay it and you have to just pass it on to the, to these tax agencies. Right. And so I, th I guess everyone in Vail and probably across, you know, the, the, the real estate, uh, vacation rental real estate industry just inflates their their prices to to account for those particular taxes, regardless of where you are in the country, right? Yeah, that's right. And there is a narrative. I mean, look, the reality is, especially historically, not everyone is paying these taxes, even today. Right. <laughs> so um, it is a fair narrative, I think, for, you know, we do often hear from our customers sometimes like, hey, I'm, I'm paying these, but you know, the, the, you know, the, there's 10 other units in my development that, that I don't think are, that, you know, makes me more expensive. And I think to some extent that's true, but, but you know, the market's changing and we can talk about that, but I think, you know, there, there certainly is an economic cost that somebody's got to pay for you. And if you're collecting tax and your neighbor isn't, yeah, that probably is a little unfair and it's going to make you more expensive. Right, right. So let's talk about a little bit about the, the, the change that's happened because you've, you've really probably been in, Right in the the crux of it, where the, the the internet boom of VRBO and Airbnbs, and over the last call it twenty years, um, right. how have you seen the industry change just from a, a high level thirty thousand foot globally in terms of disrupting and hotels and the whole you know just butting heads and all that sort of stuff? What, what's what's happened in in your industry versus say the sorry the evolution of your industry in the vacation rental space versus the ho hotel industry yeah Reed, it's it's really been amazing at least to me for somebody that got into this in 1999 and it was after renting for a couple of years on verbo and and having success and then you know real you know wanting to kind of take the leap into you know true entrepreneurism and start a company to solve this um this tax issue, you know, so this was 2002, 2003, when we started the company, we actually did a lot of market research. You know, we, we really wanted to understand the industry and the potential, like how many second homes are there of the second home market? How many short-term rentals are there? I mean, that's, that's actually data when you dig in, you can get from different, you know, national association of realtors. And, you know, back in the day, it was really a niche industry. Um, you know, when we signed up for uh, Verbo or VRBO, I think we were around property number 9,000. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you look at a website like Airbnb today, they have, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say they have 5 million global listings. Wow. So we had no concept. Like we knew there was, 
you know, we knew there was a lot of opportunity. We knew it was early, and we, and we felt like this internet model was going to be disruptive and, and cut out you know costs and efficiency and kind of change the industry. So we we either kind of guessed right or had some vision for that, but we had no concept of a website with a million short-term rental listings. That if you if I would get 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 on the time machine and and, and somebody would have told me that, I, that would have been kind of mind-blowing. So the industry really has become much more than we ever thought it would. It was really a niche industry, uh, you know, certainly in the early 2000s. I think Airbnb came along around 2010, 2011. Yep. That was a real, a real game changer. But, you know, to answer your question, it, I, I do think it was a niche industry, and now it's really a mainstream part of the travel world. I mean, Expedia acquired Homeaway and Verbo. You know, we all know Airbnb is really just a huge success. Um, you know, we'll probably be a public company at, at some time in the next couple of years, but it's really a, I think Airbnb, like, kind of like Uber is really a household name and disruptive. So, um, and, and it's, it's just become hugely successful. And I always make the point, you know, it's not, this isn't because Airbnb and Verbo and anyone else is out there, you know, I mean, they, they certainly had a huge role in making this very easy to do, but I believe the big driver is, travelers love this type of accommodation and 20 years ago to, to do it you had to you know call the resort you had to call the veil central reservations you know, this was before internet shopping you had to talk to a guy who would say well it's a three bedroom it's over here and yeah let me see here okay yeah it's, it's got this it's two miles from the lifts you really had to rely and trust on some what some agent was telling you and nowadays you can go to these sites and there's, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 high quality, high definition photos of these beautiful properties around the world. So it's just a, it's a phenomenal experience and travelers love it. Like when you look at traveler uh, affinity for this product, it's, it's very, very high. So I know there's a narrative sometimes hotels versus vacation rentals, but um, you know, Short-term rentals has just become a great travel option. I think that's driving a lot of the kind of growth and popularity. I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info info at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now, back into the show. No, 100%. I use Airbnb pretty much wherever I go. I'm going to Japan for the Rugby World Cup here in, in a month and a half, and I'm, I'm only using Airbnb. Like, I don't even think I'm going anywhere near hotels. Um, but in saying that, I've also had some really bad check-in experiences with Airbnbs and, and VRBOs and you know, it's there is that it, it if you don't depending on the host, depending on the host, you can like it gives it a bit of a. I had I had a check in recently in Dallas where I had to go to a local Seven Eleven like a half a mile down the road to pick up a like to go to the back of the the Seven Eleven to get this automated box thing that I put it a code in didn't work like I'm like right. my Uber driver sitting out the front like it was just a bad. Checking experience gets to the gets to the place. It's actually a hotel itself, you know, like a really nice end hotel. So I was like, "This is crazy," you know. And so, um, anyway, I, I the reason I sort of say that is because I think that there is a limitation, you know, with all the. It's nearly like a 
uh, taboo to talk about Airbnb and how it's in- disrupted so many local markets. Um, how are you seeing just from a compliance point of view? You, you mentioned before the taxes changing in Vail, but surely globally and maybe just around the United States, state to state, how municipalities are trying to just keep up, um, with, with, not only just with taxes, but like how long they, people can rent for and right. um, what, 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 what is a short-term rental right. these days? You know, like there's all that sort of complexity to it, which adds to the uncertainty you know, take yourself. Imagine taking you back to 1999. We had all these 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 bells and whistles and uncertainty. Would you have gone forward with the purchase of that Vale condo, knowing all this other stuff that was going on? And it sort of gives a bit of a pause to the whole industry when people are like, "I want that lifestyle and I want that you know revenue generating, but I'm so uncertain about what's going to happen to to Airbnb and VRBO that I just can't pull the trigger." So, what what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, that's all good stuff, and 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 we've seen, you know, we've seen a ton of changes. Back to what I was talking about, you know, 1999 is when I, you know, bought a property. We started this company in 2003, but that was even 10 years ago. This was still kind of a niche industry, off the off the off the grid, off the radar screen. But I think along with all the success and popularity has come this issue of, you know, it, the industry in some sense has now become a target. In a lot mm-hmm. of communities that um, you know the short-term running is very popular travelers love it it's great for property owners or landlords um, but it has community impacts um, and it's you know so there's I think a na- nationwide really to your point when we were talking off offline really kind of a global debate about vacation rentals I actually think you know it's certainly harder to, to do in especially some markets it's not as unregulated and kind of off the grid as it used to be uh, in some sense, I could spend some of this as good because I think it's legitimizing the industry. I believe we're still in kind of the early stages of figuring out uh, the regulatory framework. The taxes has always been there. And I, I, you know, certainly being in a tax automation business and helping hosts and homeowners do this, we have certainly always advocated, even with our partners, like you know, we've been partnering with Burbo and HomeAway since they got started, that you know, paying your taxes is a great way to protect your property rights and preserve the industry. Uh, in whatever community you're in. But, you know, I think I, I tend to be an optimist. I think travelers love it. We're, we're not going to wipe out Airbnbs and, and get rid of them. Just like, you know, Uber's here to stay. I think it's part of our, it's just part of how people travel and think about the world and they're seeking these kinds of experiences. It's all about what's the right framework. And I think right now in some cases we see arguably overregulation where they're trying to ban it or heavily restrict it. You know, by and large, in most places, especially when you get into like resort areas, like I live in Vail, you know, short-term rentals are a key part of the the economy. I mean, they need those units. There's not that many hotels, so they need those short-term rental units to bring in guests that are going to come in and ski and go to bars and restaurants and shop and 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 bring in that that tourism base. So, you know, there's a lot of markets where it still is embraced. Now they have, you know, they certainly have more restrictions now. You have the short-term rental license in Vail, but it's all pretty manageable. You know, some communities are really trying to restrict it or ban it. So I think, again, we're in the early stages. I generally think over time, collectively, communities and the industry and hosts are going to find a framework that, that kind of works and enables this industry to exist. Uh, but, it, you know, certainly huge change from 10 years ago when, when nobody was really talking or thinking about this. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, and it's sort of um, being a bit of the whacking child, right? You've got you've got the, uh, the the hotel industry all up in arms, but yet Hilton still doesn't seem to be doing any worse than, <laughs> than what they were 10 years ago. But then you also got the local advocates, which I get the local advocacy side, you know, where the whole... Um, particularly somewhere like Santa Monica, right, where where, where housing's really really hard to to, to come by, uh, and you you typically have these single or, or or you know studio style apartments, you know short term rentals, which is driving the long term rental market, which I'm talking you know more than six months up in terms of price per square foot, which you know prices a lot of people out of the market. They just want to live in in a in a home or rent a home or live in santa monica so i see that argument of that side but you know in terms of the, the the hotel industry side it's sort of like it's also making them be become better right you know and they, they've got to pull up their socks for so many years you know decade you know decades hundreds of years people only used hotels to travel and so in the last you know decade we've seen just such a shift and i think it is making that side of the coin the hotel industry sit up and pay attention and and do more for their guests when they do come and stay at a hotel and and you know like it's going to be horses for courses in my mind like you're going to have some people who just want the Airbnb experience, and you're gonna have some people who just want to stay and have the bar in, you know, downstairs. They want to have a gym facility. They want a pool. They want all that stuff. And right. and and look, I'm a person who goes to both, right? I, some weekends I want to have, if I go away, I want to have that experience of of, of the all in one a la carte. Or some weekends I want to rough it a little bit and get out and you know find some hole in the wall, and which is what I'm going to do in Japan. So it just depends on the experience you want to have, and I and I just think overall. Um, you know, on the hotel industry side, it's it's it is it is a great for tourism. Um, but then you've got the other side, the local advocacy, which is I can see the issues there, and we're not going to dive into that. But tell me a little bit more about your business and how it works with with automating the taxation stuff. You spoke a little bit about before about some some taxes that you you know monthly, some taxes that you quarterly. Like, are you trying to automate that 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 payment or at least a escrow type of Payment, so you have that that water cash sitting there to pay it when you do get a bill, or hey, you you need it, you owe your taxes to to veil. Yeah, so you know, really, I think what, what we've done is apply technology to, um, and, and you know, our parent company Avalara is now you know it's a six billion dollar public company, wow, leading you know I would say sales tax automation company in the world. You know, the business I run, which is mileage tax, is kind of one part of that, but just as a company, that's our mission is, you know, I think everyone's familiar with payroll taxes. If you've been in any business, you know, there's companies like ADP or Paychex, all that's been automated. You know, believe it or not, sales tax, which is an obligation for really every business in the world, has not been automated. So that's really Avalara's mandate. So, it, you know, kind of at a, at a high, you know, theoretical level, we're just applying technology to what is long been kind of manual offline processes. If you're over to hear our CEO speak, and we had an earnings call yesterday, he said it again, the, the, the notion of sales tax, or in this case, lodging taxes being done manually in a digital world just doesn't make sense. So that's, no. that's what we've done. And we've built technology that, you know, we track, we know the tax rate and bail. We know when the returns are due. We know on what form. We, we know all the data. We, we've, we've captured and aggregated that into a database. We've built technology on top of that to automate that. So I want to be clear, you know, we, you know, we file and pay all these taxes for tens and tens of thousands of, of, of properties all over the U.S. You know, we're not consultants. We're not, you know, CPAs sitting around filling out forms. This is technology that, that where we can do this at scale. And, and it's kind of, you know, going back to that wistful entrepreneur, when I saw it, to me, it's the ideal problem that can be solved. Kind of a clunky, offline, manual, complicated process that if you apply technology to it, you can make it very simple. 
so that's what we've done. And, and the user experience read is really once somebody is a customer, each month we prompt them for what was your rent last month? They mm -hmm. log into their account, they, they key in the amount of rent, whether it's $100, $10,000, $2,000, it is, they hit save, they're done. At that point, the screen shows them, here's the different taxes you owe, click OK, they click OK, they're done. And then we go off and file and pay those taxes in a very automated fashion. The money is all moved electronically. So, you know, from a user perspective, once they're set up, and the setup process is something that should take five minutes. We just need their property address and who they are, the basic information, we can get them set up. And then after that, it's something that's taken 30 seconds a month, and these these filings are all automated, and we can make sure it's all done correctly on time. So you know, we've applied a, a lot of technology to, to solve that, and I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, for people that use the service, they don't really ever stop using it unless they sell the property or decide to, you know, stop renting or, or they want to move into the property because they're retiring, you know, those types of things. No, it's, it's just listening to you speak, you, you've been at the forefront of a, an industry and seeing the hotel industry shift into, to, you know, vacation rentals, such a disruptor, similar to paying taxes. When you told me before about, when you said before about the, the monthly and it's some due quarterly, like in the back of my mind going, oh yeah, of course it's going to be on paper. You know, like it just make it's just so simple and such a disrupting technology that you're building that you've been at the forefront of two things that have both been, dis you, sorry, been in, in the forefront of a disrupting industry to then create another disrupting industry in terms of how you file your taxes, you know, just, just day to day from, right. from, from the local municipality. Um, I would assume that your platform would be evolving in a technology in a te technological sense that I could have a dashboard where I have say 10 vacation rentals and you've you have the the back end algorithm to link whether to VRBO or Airbnb or whatever it may be to say okay in the last month Reed had uh, $20,000 worth of income across his 10 properties and you know do it I don't even have to touch anything like no. it's really are you headed in that way because you, you mentioned before that I've got to go in and physically manually enter a number. Like, sure, it couldn't be that you could connect the two and yeah, make it no, even more. Absolutely. I mean, I think you're you're articulating our product roadmap. So we you know, we built the back end where once we have your rent for the month, we can automate it, automate the the kind of mechanical process of filing and paying all the taxes. But you're absolutely spot on. That's what, exactly what we're working on. I think we may be you know close to to, to integration with some of those names you reference, but that's the vision is the next step is, you know, this, our, our, our little tax service needs to be integrated into the, the platforms where people are, excuse me, the platforms where people are managing their business, you know, that's Airbnb, that's Verbo, that's where they're going in to, you know, get their bookings, check, you know, see who the next guest is, that's where all the transactions are occurring. So absolutely, we built the technology to integrate, uh, integrate with those partners or those companies such that, you know, once we do that, it's it's read it's exactly the experience you you described. Where, well, once it's integrated, you don't have to do anything. Just it's a monthly right. process right. at the end of the month. We know what your transactions were on platform A. We know what your transactions are on platform B. We're just pulling that information, putting it on the right forms, and sending it off. It's fully automated. You know, at some point in that process, we're going to notify you and say, "Hey, read, here's what we have from these different platforms. Do you want to approve this or change it?" Uh, but it's really can become a seamless process. And, you know, I'm going to spend a little passion here. I mean, I personally believe that's really what's needed in the industry. I mean, these taxes, the, 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 the concept of all these hosts or homeowners calling Colorado and then calling Eagle County or calling <laughs> Dale and figuring it out. I mean, some do that, but 
Right. We can, as an industry, integrate the tax into the platform where a host can kind of just click and opt in and it's automated. I think, I mean, I, again, most people like, want to pay these taxes. A lot of people aren't really fully aware of these taxes or how to do them. So if we can make it super easy, I think most people do them. And I think that's what's going to be needed to get, at least from a tax perspective, a super high compliance rate across the industry. Yeah, I, I, see, I sort of... It, it, it rings uh, similarities to like a back-end payment system, you know, where, where, you know, you swipe a credit card, you've got no idea what's going on in the background with all the algorithms, but there's a system software there that transfers information to your bank, takes the money out, pays the vendor, and you have no, you're, you're nowhere in between. You're the same for taxes. So my, my next question is, given how slow some of the municipalities can be, are, are, you, are they upping their game to try and match you? Are you trying to bring them along like this heavy dead weight, <laughs> you know, yeah, that some I mean- people... Tax, tax agencies don't really think about it in those terms. <clears throat> uh, and you're absolutely right with your analogy. And that's our vision. And that's where we're headed, where you know, these transactions are going to happen on these short-term rental platforms. And, and once we integrate our tax solution the right way, the, the user doesn't even know, really. It's just, it's just happening. And the reality is most people don't really want to know about these taxes. They don't want to touch them. It's just, just handle it. So, again, with that next, next level of technology, we, we can make that happen. From the, from the jurisdiction level cities counties they don't really don't necessarily think in those terms i mean the 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 culture in the the tax agency world is you know they publish their rules and requirements and anyone that's a business in that community is supposed to follow them you know whereas you know for private companies like us we 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 think a lot about simplifying user experience how easy can we make it how simple can we make it you know the the government world is more like here's the requirements you got to follow them and you're required by law to follow them so we don't necessarily have to make this a super simple uh, user experience. So I certainly don't worry. I, I lose zero sleep about the notion that uh, that the government agencies are going to make this so simple that 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 we're not we're not needed. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be critical of our of our you know tax jurisdiction or government agency partners. We do see them as partners, and we think we're aggregating a lot of small taxpayers and 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 helping them and making this simpler for everybody. But you know, these are, their issue is more policy and publishing policy. They don't really focus on, you know, kind of workflows and processes to make it a, a lot simple, a lot simpler. So, so given all that, what's been the most difficult learning curve for you coming that you're a CPA into a technology space and you just talk about workflows, like, and, and, and I was just ta- illustrating a workflow. What has been the biggest challenge to you as the co-founder? Yeah, I think I'll give you a two-part answer, Reed. I think, and if anybody's in a software company or started a company that's technology-driven, they can probably relate to this. I think, you know, the 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 time involved to develop software, um, it's always longer than you think. And I think, you know, we have a very strong economy right now, and I think there's probably a national shortage of tech talent. So, not a huge issue for us. But we're all competing for the same software engineers. Uh, people that are strong in technology, um, and it, you know, if you if I were starting a, co- a company again today, that's that's something I'd be really thoughtful about: is how do I attract the right people, the tech talent to do this? So, just the the, the investment and time required to build technology is always slower than you think, because you always have these great. And you know, we were articulating some some you know I think pretty cool product visions, at least for tax, but it takes you know time and 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 investment. And you have to have the right engineers and and you know and and capital to make that happen. Um, so that that's one, I think it's universal. Two, for me, when I reflect back on my experience, 
Um, you know, the, the company was not an overnight success. I mean, we founded partnerships early with 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 Burbro and Homeaway, and and they supported us and promoted our service. But you know, it was a long, long ramp. I mean, you know, especially 15 years ago, we had a product that most which we think was a really good product, but most people didn't know they needed it. So right. I think you know most people weren't aware of these taxes. It's not something really maybe even felt they were required to do. I mean, again, I think historically, just lack of awareness and understanding has been the, the biggest issue. So from a business standpoint, you're trying to educate the, the customer that, hey, you need to be doing this. This is something you're required to do. There's actually kind of risk and consequences if you don't do it. Um, it's probably been our biggest challenge. Um, you know, the, the, the market has... I would say change starting, I would say four or five years ago where tax is becoming a more common narrative. And, and to your point, you said earlier, I mean, vacation rentals, Airbnb are coming pretty much ubiquitous. This tax narrative is now part of that industry. So, you know, all that is in our favor, but for years and years, you know, I, we probably felt like we're out there toiling with, with this great solution that, that um, you know, not a lot of people were aware of or, or knew they needed something like this. Right. It's, it's, it's so interesting. And um, I'm also using a lot of technology in my business and, and being in a beta level for a online uh, a investor portal interface and, and just talking about workflows and about how I don't own the company, but I'm you know very much connected right into the CEOs and the, and the guys who are doing all the, the software writing and just you know, they, they roll out a new version. Like, where the hell did you get that idea? Did some other client tell you that? Because that is junky as hell and we need to get rid of that. And it does take time, right? It takes a lot of time to iron out those those, those right. issues and, and you've got to use it, uh, you know, get it live and then get the feedback and then, okay, that feedback, oh crap, there's a right. you know, re, redo thing, version 2.0. <laughs> so, it may be yeah. deemed as when you look at it, well, that should be a pretty simple change. Sometimes they're not, you know, so simple and easy to do. Right, right, and I, I know, I know, I, I, me and my business partner are always like, "Come on, when, when are you going to fix this thing?" He's it's like, and "It's not going to be until Q Q two of uh, next year." You're like, oh, <laughs> right, exactly. so got it. Okay, right, all right, we, we'll, we'll shut up. <laughs> so, anyway, mate, look, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, at the end of every show, I like to get into the top five investing tips. Ready to do it? Yeah, let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Uh, boy, that's self-discipline. I think, you know, I try to, I try to get a lot of exercise, uh, especially as I get older. Um, and then I, I think I commit, so exercise and then in the morning, I really try to commit, which is when it's quiet in my house, um, <laughs> kind of an hour to read the news, check the markets. Um, that's my time to kind of, you know, explore what I want to explore. You a bit, a bit of me time, right? Exactly. I think it's important. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very important. I think uh, not having, if you don't have it and focus on yourself and working on yourself, like fitness and, and, and mental and reading and meditation, whatever, you, whatever you're into is, you know, you can't be the best dad or CEO or husband or partner if you're not focused on yourself first and foremost. So, so really important stuff. Um, who, is, or what is the, who is the most influential person in your career to date? Yeah, it was probably uh, it was probably the boss I had when I when I left Arthur Anderson. Uh, worked for him for about ten years. Super smart guy, um, and not always super nurturing, but just just learned a lot by observing him. Um, and, and certainly part of that is doing business in a very kind of honorable, transparent way, but also um, really focusing on kind of key objectives and, and financial discipline in all your decisions. But yeah, there, there's a guy I worked for for ten years. Probably my, my you know, the, he'd be the closest guy I would consider a mentor. 
Awesome, awesome. What is the most influential tool in your business? And you, you can't say your software. <laughs> yeah, no, indeed. I mean, you know, when I think about that very broadly, this is going to be, you know, your, you and your audience may have an eye roll for this, but it's really the internet. When I, when I think about when we started this, if we didn't have the ability to search, um, you know, this is exciting stuff, Read occupancy tax ordinances for Tybee Island, Georgia, um, this business would have been very difficult. So internet, probably like a lot of, you know, kind of cloud-based models today, you got to be in the cloud. And the ability to kind of access information, whether that's, you know, government statutes, ordinances for all the way at the state level, all the way to these small communities all over the U.S. was critical. And then certainly our customers interact with us online. So, so you know, the, just the, the, the internet and the cloud nature of everything it was, was critical. If uh, if you're one of your grandkids, if you have grandkids, or you know a small child walks up to you now, and you have to tell them in one sentence what's your biggest failure and what you learn from that failure, what would that be? Mm. Um, you know, I would say there was there was times early in my career where I um, tried to take too much on. Um, you know, there there was. Not to get into the details, but I, I was involved in different kind of court proceedings based on some lawsuits. I was a witness. I just think one example. I was just, you know, sometimes if you don't know something, you just say you don't know. Mm. Uh, and ha- had a had a rough ride in some some of those, uh, you know, as kind of a as a as a as a witness to, to some of the things that, that were happening in a case. I'm just just not prepared or not trying to trying to hold myself as more knowledgeable or. Uh, opining on things that were probably a stretch too far. Um, you know, certainly was embarrassing that day. I, I can I can tell you we'll, we'll have a beer sometime. I can tell you the story. But uh, <laughs> I think I mean I think as as as, as, as you know, a young person, that's something at least for me. I really kind of a life lesson. Like you know, you don't know anything. Take a step back. Be patient. Um, be thoughtful. Listen. Learn. You don't have to be an expert. You're going to have your chance. You don't have to you don't have to conquer the world in you know one week. It's it's nearly like checking your ego at the door, right? Like, and that's for young people. It's hard to hear, including myself, <laughs> including all of us, right? We all have ego somewhere. So, right. no, it's it's a, it's a really really important lesson for for anyone out there listening. Um, uh, Rob, tell me uh, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in and around your sphere. They want to understand a little bit more about mylodgetax.com. Where do, where do they head? Yeah, I mean, again, we're cloud-based, we're internet, so we think the website, what you just said, mylodgetax.com, is a great starting point. Um, people can always call and send us emails, which all that con- contact information is on the site. So that's always a great resource. And, and there's, there's other resources there just to help educate people about these tax requirements. We have state tax guides for each state that's just kind of useful information. So, you know, I think the website's a good resource, whether you just want to kind of learn a little bit more, research, or, or, or contact us and learn more about what we do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, mate, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I just want to quickly summarize some of the things that I took away from this conversation. I think from your perspective, um, being a CPA and and seeing an opportunity in the market, given your background, and look, I'm not going to stereotype all CPAs as being very rigid, but it's such an awesome thing and fluid thing that you've done to identify a lifestyle decision that you wanted to do, see the, 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 the bottlenecks involved in it, and then go out and, and create a software online process disrupting an industry in your own right uh, like the industry that you've come from which is the vacation rental industry i think that is such a 
fascinating. Just if you stop and think about it, just you, it's pretty pretty awesome, right? And pat yourself on the back because you, you, you're illustrating just taking the blinkers off and, and seeing an, a door that opened to you and moving through that door and saying, oh, gosh, I've got no idea. I'm going to quit my job. Uh, I've got no idea how this is going to go. And, and to your point, you're, you're listing number 9,000 on VRBO when you started and now it's over 5 million on the website. Like you, you had no idea. And, and that's such an entrepreneurial bug and, and the, 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 the ability to go and back yourself to take that next step and, and take control of essentially your, your future. And, and now what you've built, I think, is bloody fantastic. And, uh, you know, well done to you. Uh, did, did I leave anything out? Well, your, your comments are very gracious. Um, you know, appreciate that. We've been very fortunate. But also, you know, what I would probably leave everyone with is, you know, success sometimes takes time. It didn't happen overnight. You just stuck with it and it kept growing and growing. And I suspect there's a lot of entrepreneurial stories that are, that are like that. I, you know, the saying is probably overused. It's a sprint. I'm sorry. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So that's certainly applied in our case. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And goes back to what you're saying before about the advice to it to a young kid or a child is is take your time, set your ego at the door, and and, and you don't know everything, and that's okay, and you don't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen in a week. Um, but uh, but in this industry, in this in this world that we live in, we always kind of want things to happen instantly. Yeah. But uh, but mate, look, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join us on this show. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up very yeah, soon. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Rob. Please definitely head over to his website, mylodgetax.com, if you are in the vacation rental space because it is super important to understand and get your hands wrapped around all the tax implications when you're when you're doing you're in that industry. Um, I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack.